What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Logos Podcast. This is Max. This is Sam. This is Joey. And on today's episode, we have some very special guests. We have Sam again. (laughs) 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 On today's episode, we have the CFRs, Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. Got it. Nice. Got it. Uh, They're our guests today for uh, for a podcast. Talk a little bit about their order, their charism, maybe charisms, plural. Uh, Talk about who they are. And talk a little bit about poverty, right? Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, they, they're on campus with us. So naturally, uh, we kind of gravitate towards them, asking about their lives. And, you know, about five minutes, maybe three minutes into the conversation, we're asking them to be on our podcast. Classic. And nice enough yeah. to actually, actually join us. So, yeah. <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited to have you guys, fathers. Thanks for being on. Could you introduce yourselves? That'd be cool. My name is Father Joseph Michael. And I'm Father Angelus. Which I have to say... Father Angelus is such a cool name. You were so excited about that when we met yesterday. <laughs> I was. <laughs> Sorry, hey, hey, Father Joseph. You, yours is cool, I mean, too. I share, I share a name oh, with true. Father Joseph. Yeah, that's so right. It's, I definitely have respect for that name, too. But Angelus, come on. <laughs> now, I have a question. Do, do you guys, like, choose your names? Or do you, are you guys given a name once you enter the order? Yeah, so we discern. So uh, early on after postulancy, postulancy is about 10 months, and then you start to think of your name. Nice. And, and you propose it to the community, a list generally have three names and yeah. the community kind of discerns which one. So I know religious order that does a similar thing. Most religious orders do like you submit three names to your superior, mm-hmm. but I know religious order that purposely that like the abbot or the leader purposely chooses a last one they choose. Wow. But it's become a thing now because the, the guys have caught on. They, they put so like, I just last. put my, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, do y'all, do y'all have something or like that? Or is it like, did y'all get y'all's first name? Did y'all get y'all second? I only put in one name. Nice. Rebel Me Too, actually. Bold. We, oh we're, my goodness. we're a little older in the community. That These days, I think they have to submit three. Okay. But back in the day, it was like, it's like, oh, what are they going to do? This is my name. <laughs> the challenge with Brother Angelus is every Easter time, we have to start calling him Brother Regina Chaley. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> a little Catholic joke. No, wow. Look at us. Nice. I wonder how many of our listeners will get that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Sam got it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so it kind of went over my head a little bit. But that's okay, you know, I'll catch on. But uh, So I guess maybe to start things off, uh, why don't you guys like share about your vocation stories? Uh, maybe, uh, Father Angelus, let me start with you. Yeah, um, absolutely. We'll go from there. Yeah, so I'm from Nebraska. Go team, not too far from Ohio. And um, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but living in New York City, a lot different than Nebraska. So, yeah. um, But I joined the community in 2009. And fun fact, my triplet brother is also a part of the community. Triplet? Yeah. So we're, there's three of us. We have a sister. She's not a nun. Everybody's natural follow-up question yeah, to me and my brother, both being CFRs. <laughs> nice. And uh, she still lives in Nebraska. And so, yeah, we grew grew up in Nebraska. Um, yeah, we were pretty just normal Catholic family. Not, nothing too over the top. Uh, we... We uh, I always we always joke. Sometimes we do stuff that's online, and all of a sudden you start to talk about your past, and then mom listens to this, and then she gets kind of with you, like when you start to talk. Yeah. So we had a great life. I mean, yeah. it was <laughs> super super Catholic. blessed, oh super goodness. blessed, and we but we actually did. Like we had a really blessed life and Catholic schools, Catholic high school, Catholic college. You know, so just experienced the faith kind of throughout throughout my life. Um, the the distinction that I made between my brother and I when we he went to a seminary right at a high school. Yeah, and so. 
in, in my experience of just great discernment, I was just pretty convinced that if he went to seminary, there was no way I had to. So I was just nice. like, thank God, I'm just called to college, I'm called to marriage, and you know, just. That's easy. Yeah, it's like, hey, this is great. Like, just completely unburdened me with like the, the even sort of temptation. I'm like, do I have to be a priest? You know? <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> There's no way. No way. And it's like, fast forward many, many years now, I'm the community's vocation director. I'm like, that was horrible discernment. <laughs> like, there wasn't anything like proper or like, you know, anyway. Um, I studied communication in college and I wanted to be, my dream's job was to be the White House press secretary. What? So that was what that was. One and look at you now. Me. Look at me now. We're on this podcast. Nothing like it. But I had a, I had a kind of a secondary or, or a second mm. conversion in college that just took me from this really self-centered Catholic life. Um, everything was awesome on the outside, but I was just doing my own thing interiorly and just kind of still selfish in my way. I was following the Lord. So I really had a beautiful conversion junior year and recognized that I had never really stopped to put the Lord at the center. And and as soon as I did that, there was just a lot of grace and openness mm-hmm. to be like, oh gosh, this is, I didn't discern well. Wow. And I started to ask the Lord what he wanted. And I ended up going back to the seminary in Nebraska, where we were from. And then uh, my brother had then pursued the CFRs. We went on a mission trip the summer between junior and senior year of college yeah. and met the missionaries of charity in New York City. Uh, kind of developed a heart for the poor and a heart for mission. And then we met the, the CFRs were on that summer camp as well. So, so you started of, off in diocesan yep. seminary. Yep. Okay. Oh, very yeah. interesting. Wow. Oh. <laughs> 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 any ideas? <laughs> 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 the road, guys. Interesting. You got a beard road. going over there, bro. <laughs> hey, you, you already have the Joseph. Yeah. yeah if I, I, since Joseph. I can't grow a beard, is that a disqualifier? It, we'll talk about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mustache. That's like the draw. That's the that's light. My dad got facial hair late in life, oh, so I'm still There's some, of, some cares in there maybe that'll come later. You know, I have one thing to add to that because I actually haven't had that much facial hair, but I started shaving like more. And the more you shave, like the more you get facial hair. Although you I had a beard at one point, right? I, yeah, I did. But I was told that was a myth. I'm here to tell everybody that that's not a myth. That's a it's real true. thing. Yes. The it's more wild. you shave with like a straight razor, wow. the, the thicker the beard comes in. That's right. Yeah. We were at uh, dinner yesterday and Father Joseph turns to me and says, you're getting some gray in your beard. I'm yeah. like, hey, excuse me. Quit <laughs> 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 just commenting on my beard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm just saying, bro. <laughs> I don't know. Stressful life. Anyway, back to my life. <laughs> back more, to man. my life. <laughs> Pray. I, jo- I joined the community in 2009, and um, yeah, and enjoying the gift of religious life, the gift of Franciscan life in particular. And nice. Yeah, just <clears throat> was ordained in 2018. So uh, that's so living cool. life as a priest uh, in our house in Manhattan, in, in northern Manhattan, in Harlem, and he's a good priest. Live at our formation house. So they don't just do Harlem shakes. I did. I did. I we did talking ask about them. That. That's we not about all that. they do. Not all. <clears throat> nice. But it's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, okay. We'll certainly want to hear more about your guys' life in Harlem. Sure. Um, but first, let's hear. A now let's about get to Joseph Father, Father, Joseph, Father Joseph, Michael. Michael, your story. Your service. Nice to be with you all. Thanks thank, for having me. Thank you. Long time. <laughs> first time. Long time. Um, so, Father Joseph Michael, I grew up in Westerville, Ohio which is a suburb of Columbus, Ohio, the capital of the state. That sounds terrible. Yeah, no, yeah, no, it's a beautiful place. It's really, <laughs> really wonderful. I had a great, um, I'm a son of the public school system, so I never went to Catholic schools. And um, I came to my faith in high school through a Protestant youth ministry called Young Life. So I was really involved in Young Life in high school, and mostly because there were young adults there that took my questions seriously, and there were beautiful girls. And so, like just a, be honest. Yeah, hey, just that, throwing that out there, right? <laughs> People taking me seriously and cute girls around. And um, so, by the time I was a junior in high school, I kind of decided that I I want to be a disciple of Christ. Like just in seeing the 
really these these leaders and their friendship and their relationship with us, um, Christ somehow through all of that became real and like really alive and like in, in the resurrection. So I knew that he lived and I knew that he died and I knew that he rose from the dead and I said, well, I want to follow him. And so I started doing that. I started praying, started reading the Bible. And uh, when I went to college and I became a Young Life leader, I went to Miami University, which is in Ohio, for those of you out there, not from around here. <laughs> and um, You did say something interesting about the University uh, of Ohio, right? Or Ohio as a city before? Uh, the University of Miami, oh, Miami was, I'm sorry. was a, a school before Florida was a state. That's Take that. Take that in, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Something I always got to explain a week. to people. Because you might want to fact check that. I'm pretty sure that's true. <laughs> nah, I wouldn't say it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. If it's that true, it should be. Um, so when I was in college, uh, so like I said, my faith was largely formed through, through this Protestant kind of lens and tradition. So when I came to college and a friend of mine told me about the Eucharist, what Catholics believe about the Eucharist, that it, the, the bread and the wine become the body and blood of Jesus Christ. I thought, well, that sounds kind of weird, but if it's <laughs> true, then my personal relationship with Jesus Christ can't be any more personal than him coming into me. And if it's not true, then my friend is worshiping a piece of bread. And that's yeah. a bad idea. Although bread is good, though. <laughs> right? Bread is good, bro, like, but it's good. we cannot pizza, worship Come it. on, bro. You're right, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Creature. Um, Wait, so uh, I have a clarifying question. Please. So you, your family, were you not Catholic? We were Catholic. Okay. And I grew up Catholic, and I did all my sacraments. But when he, but like I said, I came to know Christ primarily through gotcha. this youth group. Gotcha. And, um, and when he explained to me about the Eucharist, it's like, I'm sure they told me that when I was eight years old or something. Yeah. But I had, it was a total newsflash. Right. That's Total crazy. newsflash to me. And so I spent my sophomore year of college really trying to figure out what was true. So I read John 6 like all the time. I talked to my Protestant friends. I talked to some Catholic friends. You talked to your Protestant friends about John 6? Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And just trying to like understand what, what's going on here. And um, I started going back to church, to Catholic church. And I would sit there and I would pray, Jesus, if this is you, then tell me. If this is not you, then tell me that. But I got to know, man, because this is kind of a big deal, right? Um, yeah. And by his grace, and there were a few other things going on, but one day when I received communion, but it was probably about a year of praying, which at the time felt like forever, um, I just knew. I received communion one day and I knew. Um it was like a real illumination and with clarity. And so I went back to my pew and I was like on my knees and I was, cause it's a powerful thing to understand that God takes the form of bread so that he can be one with you and you with him. And, um, so when I went back to my home parish that summer, um, the church of the resurrection in New Albany and made my second confession ever. And, um, and the priest very beautifully, he said to me, uh, well, I don't know how you got here today, but welcome home, man. Wow. Yeah, that's so, pretty cool. Nice. You all want to share a share a fact? Not only do you all have the name Joseph in common, you have something else in common, right, Joe? Yeah, so that's actually that home parish that he went to is actually my home parish as oh well. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Come on! Yeah. But we never knew each other. So no, <laughs> never seen this guy in my life you before. Got a few like, years on him. yeah, before a few months ago, actually, we met for the first time. True. So, uh, small world. Yeah. But okay, so. Welcome home. Yeah, thanks, man. It's great and, being here. Uh, <laughs> and so now you're home, and what happens next? How do you end up wearing a habit? Well, I um, 
so so I started doing the discernment thing. You know, I found myself a young Catholic man, and it seems like every young Catholic man is discerning, so I thought I should think about the priesthood. <laughs> and, um, I've, of course, marriage and family was immediately attractive because that's always been on my heart. Even as a kid, I remember being attracted to being a husband and a father. Um, so I started reading a lot of JP2's writings of marriage and family. And, nice. Um, theology of the body. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Like nine year old, you just like just just scouring through theology of the body. Is that what? No, in college. Yeah. <laughs> in college. Um, Mom, this is awesome. I would like go to like the the uh, coffee shop in college and just put theology of the body like on the table there and like yeah. just yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about it, everybody. Yeah, just waiting for it to walk up. <laughs> yeah, it's like deer, like deer, like corn for the deer. Just just lay it out. See what happens. Coming. The old salt licks. <laughs> Um, and but I also started learning about the priesthood of the mass, and that was really beautiful. And so both these things were just beautiful things before me. And so discernment became difficult. Um, but I found my w- way. I found myself thinking a lot more about the priesthood and feeling felt invited by our Lord to pursue that. Um, but I didn't feel too drawn to the parish priesthood, and um, I didn't know what that meant because that was all I had around me. But my friends knew that I liked beards and sandals and this kind of stuff. So <laughs> they said, you should check these guys out in New York City. And so I had a job for a year as a youth minister in this great uh, diocese. <laughs> um, nice. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I made some vocation visits. Yeah. Cool. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Now, so, Okay, so now you're, you're in the order and everything, but... You guys both gave us, I guess, a, a brief synopsis of your vocation stories. But now, if maybe you guys could focus on your life, I guess, in, in New York City. I mean, is that the only place that you guys are? are you, have you guys been in different areas of the of the country or even the world? Uh, kind of what's the what's the mm-hmm. deal there? So we're a pretty small community. We have about 130 guys, but we do have uh, friaries all around the world. So we have a couple friaries in Ireland, a couple friaries in England, friaries in Central America. We just opened up a friary in California recently, which is kind of a cool thing. Oakland in Oakland, yeah, and uh, we have Friday in New Mexico. But Go our Raiders, hub, right? What? Go Raiders? Ooh. Or Ooh. Oh, no, they're no in more. Las Vegas now. Oh man, sorry. The Rams did just win, but you know that's right. Um, but it's it's cool because yeah, it's we're a newer community that's that's trying to be faithful to Franciscan charism, Franciscan way of life, and and it's beautiful guys. Guys are guys are common. Guys are attracted to that, and um, really the heart of our way of life is really trying to. Um, bring renewal to the church like St. Francis did when he experienced that call to rebuild the church. Tell us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about St. Francis and, yeah. uh, and then how you guys are imitating him. Sure. You got this, Father Joseph. <sighs> Believe in you. Here we go. Yeah, that's a big Gosh. task. All right. So uh, St. Francis, he lived a long time ago, about 100 years ago, in a place called Italy. Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. <laughs> and um, what, uh, what fascinates me about Francis and to be honest, he's, he's not someone I knew a lot about. Mm-hmm. I mean, most, I think because I was formed in a way by Protestants, like the saint, I didn't know a lot of saints. And I didn't really grow up with that kind of devotion. But as I was learning about Francis, uh, the story that most moves me about him is his encounter with the leper, which happens early in his kind of conversion and is super influential on how he ends up living his life. And he writes about it at the end of his life. We have this kind of like testament that he wrote or dictated um, in his last days. And he talks about how it was always hard for him to be among lepers. Um, But the Lord, how's it go? When I was in sin, it was difficult to be around lepers. Um, 
but that which had been bitter became sweetness for my body and soul. And I tarried but a little and forsook the world. It's got that memorized. Nice one, song. Something right. like that. Keep it up in your pocket, son. All right. <laughs> so what's really, what's really cool on, about man. that is that, okay, he didn't, he was uncomfortable being around lepers. And I think we can get that. I mean, <laughs> we don't really have that experience firsthand, but yeah. Um, yeah. They eat you like lepers. Uh, okay. Are you thinking birds? I got you. I got you. I got you. Okay. Um, so, but something happens. Okay. So here's the thing. It's not like the lepers changed. It's not like the exterior circumstances of his life changed, but something changed within him that enabled him, gave him a kind of power um, to live differently in what were challenging circumstances. I think the beautiful thing about him, too, I think why are people still today still attracted to St. Yeah, Francis, yeah. right? There's a lot. It's, it's more than the bird bath. It's more than the animals. Right. It's more than the blessings on yeah. his feast day where you can bring your cat yeah. and have him blessed. Right? <laughs> but it's beautiful. If you read his story, God was constantly pursuing Francis. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Like in subtle ways, Francis was the popular guy. He was a talented guy. He, ca- he came from kind of a spoiled family. Um, and, and God kind of gently but consistently pursued him. And at some point, Francis had this moment where he had to respond to the God who pursued him. And um, he has this conversion moment. He, he recognizes that the life he had been living wasn't fulfilling anymore. And, and he then allowed his heart to open up even more to God who was there. And that's when we get, are given this moment where Francis is in the church. He's decided to, to, to turn to God. He's decided to give up all the world things, worldly things. And he hears the crucifix speak to him. He hears Jesus speak to him. And he says, Jesus has to rebuild my church, which has fallen into ruin. So Francis instantly becomes this image of, of renewal and conversion in the church. And what's beautiful about St. Francis, and this is what our community tries to live, is that St. Francis was first about rebuilding his own heart not just going to tell everybody mm. else that they needed to repent and telling yeah. everybody else that they need to get their stuff together because the church is a mess. But he first started to live it himself. So penance, repentance, grace, renewal, all that stuff started to happen in his own life. And he started yeah. to, to become healed and renewed and, and converted. And then w- the guys who wanted to join him, join him weren't necessarily fascinated or curious about the work he was doing. They were fascinated about what was happening in him. And these guys were invited to that same renewal. And so a lot of guys and uh, people who, who might know our community today, because we, our main mission is to serve the poor and to preach. But a lot of people, uh, I think, hopefully, are drawn to that similar mission that we want to renew the church, but we recognize that first renewal comes through our own personal experience our, of our hearts and the grace that the Lord wants to do in young men today yeah. who, who want to give their lives to the Lord. So renewal doesn't come from like, y'all are a new Franciscan order that's just renewing the order. It yeah. comes from this idea of like renewing yourself yep. and in that way permeating through like the larger society. Renewing the church, right? Renewing the church. Nice. And I think that, that what does that allow the church to become? It allows the church to become not just of us telling everybody else that they have to change and that they have to get their stuff mm-hmm. together, but it's, it shows what, what grace can do in the life of a follower of Jesus. And that healing and, and transformation and uh, the life of love, how we love our neighbor, all that kind of comes through Jesus working in me. And then it's like, okay, whether I'm married or whether uh, I'm in the world or whether I'm a priest, whether I'm a religious, whether I'm in a parish, whether I'm downtown Manhattan, um, that renewal starts because God is living in me in a new way. And that's what, that's the brilliance of St. Francis. And that's why he was utterly un- attractive to anywhere, anywhere that he went. All his preaching, all, all his work with the poor, all the men that flocked to join him in the 1200s was because like there's something, Jesus is in him in a unique way um, that, that hasn't been around in a while, right? It's amazing. I mean, <clears throat> we have a great professor of homiletics here and he made 
he made the comment recently in one of our classes about how like holiness and like when you encounter someone who's captivated by Jesus Christ and is following after him with his whole heart, it's like irresistible. Like it's so attractive. And he said, he's, when he talked about that, he said, I mean, think about St. Francis. What did St. Francis actually do? And we were like, uh, I don't know. He served the poor. He's like, he's like, yeah, he did that stuff. But like more than anything else, St. Francis was just an extraordinary human being who was in lo- like madly in love with Jesus Christ. And he's like, yeah. and that's enough for people. I Which, think, yeah. yeah, I think one of the, 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 the beauties of the, of what Francis gave us is, is this affectivity in prayer mm-hmm. and in his relationship with God. It was something really personal and, and effective. Uh, Beautiful. This reminds me of, I think St. Thomas Aquinas talks about it. Um, you really just dropped St. Thomas Aquinas. Sorry. I know. Can you at least look. like quote Bonaventure or something yeah. like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There other yeah. medieval <laughs> theologians, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's a saint, dude. Really? He's a really? saint, dude. Yeah. Don't, don't forget we're seminarians. He's profound. We, have, just, is, we have this response to Dominicans, so I'm just, you know. Sorry, just, just, sorry, just sorry. The church is a body. Bro- bro- fathers, fathers, relax. Relax. Está bien, está bien. More bien. So what I was going to say is, I think St. Thomas Aquinas does talk about, like, the virtuous man becomes more sensible to um, to just reality in general. And he's moved yeah. to compassion, kind of like Christ yeah. Like, when he recognizes goodness, truth, and beauty, the man who is is living this life of Christ kind of becomes more sensible and is able to kind of respond properly to it and love it mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's Absolutely. like, that's, yeah. that's what I see. You know, I was telling you all when I was growing up, the people who were always on our TV screen and who we were always, uh, my, my family was always watching was JP two, Padre Pio, uh, Saint, he's a doctor Moscati mm-hmm. from Italy and, uh, Saint Francis. And actually he's my confirmation saint. Right. So take that Saint yeah, Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's great. That's yeah. Great. I know that when I hear you guys talk about St. Francis, it's kind of, it, it's like very a moving experience for me a little bit. Cause I remember when I went to Assisi actually to visit his grave. I've never been there. Really? Well, mm. you need to go because it's, it's go, you know, bro. how it's, how it's set up is there's a basilica on top of you know, the, his grave is underneath the basilica. Right. And, the his actual like I guess casket you would call it yeah. is under the altar right yeah. so he's kind of mm. up top and then his four sur- um his four like, companions are surrounding him and then you wow. have Sister Claire obviously in a different yeah, church yeah. um but it's it was I remember being a rather moving experience we're talking about Saint Francis being like mm. faithful right and it's like these guys here were so faithful to Jesus and you know people were calling them probably names and thinking they were weird back in their day but just the ripple effects that that would have I wonder if they understood what was going to happen by what they were doing you know all yeah. they were doing was being faithful to jesus yeah. and it's like look what happened yeah. look at all this you know look at the dedication all the franciscans and you know i guess I'll, I'll i'll help out here because i know max got you guys with saint thomas aquinas but one of my favorite saints is saint Anthony of padua oh sure mm-hmm. uh, and he's quoted obviously saying like we're called to plant seeds of trees of sh- whose shade we won't sit in mm-hmm. right and that's a big Beautiful. thing right it's Beautiful. like so did saint francis know what he was doing when he was being faithful to Jesus, I don't think he knew what was going to happen, but he just was okay. I, I'm following you, Lord. And it's like, yeah. if we all did that as faithfully as St. Francis did, just imagine what, we, what would happen. I love the, the idea that he's buried with his friends. Yeah. And just the, the reality of brotherhood, the reality of fraternity. Like he's a saint when you go, one of the holiest places I've been in, in my experience is, is at his tomb. Yeah. Just praying in his tomb. It's just like such a mm-hmm. holy place. And, but you have the, I, when you think about it and fraternity is central to our way of life in, uh, it's not an accessory like we'll get around to being brothers but it's um i actually really like this guy yeah, <laughs> yeah. really yeah. oh yeah but it's cool like that. that's it saint francis is 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 buried in this prominent place but his friends are all around him 
and his brothers are all around him. So they did yeah. it together. He didn't. He mm-hmm. wasn't a lone ranger, right? He didn't do it alone. It mm-hmm. wasn't about him. Um, but his life was attracted. So all of a sudden, you had these young guys wanting mm-hmm. to experience Jesus like him, and he was able to be able to pass that on and, and keep Jesus at the center rather than himself. Yeah. Would yeah. you guys mind uh, now maybe transitioning a little bit and talking about your lives in New York City? Because I know you guys are dealing with, you know, radical poverty. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, I don't, I don't know, but if you, maybe you guys talk about what that's like, what you're doing every day and how you're encountering people and what's it like to evangelize to and, them, you know, just in, in general. And to this topic, like, I know we, we talked a little bit about this, like, but like the importance of poverty and like the need to satisfy the poverty and maybe in that, how y'all recognize the distinction between just material poverty and how that's not sufficient. And also like the importance of maybe like spiritual poverty and how y'all fulfill that need as as part of just charism and just like in the world, how that's not emphasized enough where we look to poverty and just like charity as just giving money because that's going to solve problems. But like, there's this more important, uh, more substantive. Yeah. I think it's probably important just to start in. And I think most people recognize this, but I think one of the France, the, the gifts of the Franciscan life is that we, we get to hold intention, the contemplative and active life. Right. So we are, primarily men of prayer right so we, mm-hmm. we we experience life of prayer together our communion with the lord uh you know numerous hours of prayer a day communal prayer holy hour mass liturgy of the hours and so our day is centered in our in our prayer life together as brothers <clears throat> and so that contemplative reality is that we're not just um social workers and we're not just trying to just to do things and be on mission in the church for the sake of doing things right mm-hmm. and so what's I, hopefully the I, again bringing renewal into the church yeah. is, is trying to propose to the world that whether you're you're married or you work in the world or you're a priest in a, in a parish or a priest or a brother in a, in a religious community that like relationship with God is, is the center and communion with God is the center so how do we become men of prayer and so we really we're constantly trying to keep that at the center not not um, sacrificing our prayer time, our contemplative time, uh, our silence in the morning or the evening, uh, because we're busy. Yeah. Because we we have something to do or someone to fix it's or always something a to solve. It's always a tension, but it's a bit of a fruitful tension. Um, and that's one of the things that doesn't get highlighted often in Francis's life is how much time. I mean, he spent a lot of time in prayer. In prayer, <clears throat> and uh, much more than we do. But um, but that is obviously at the heart of it. It's at the heart of everything. Um, that we do and it's one of the things that really attracted me to the to the community we had monthly hermitage time we had taken annual solitude retreat um and prayer days on friday so yeah, every, every so friday really is kind a of just quiet day of adoration in nice. that relationship that uh informs then how you live yeah and how you're able to bring that into a place that is yeah it can be a little bit frantic mm-hmm. and um and disordered it's refreshing for me to hear you guys talk about the temptation to let like your active works, you know, take, <laughs> take away from your time of prayer. Yeah. And community. Yeah. And, and community. Yeah. Right. Cause that's certainly present in our lives. And yeah. sometimes it's easy to think, Oh, well if I was maybe just religious, like they just pray all the day yeah. and like, that's yeah. all they have to do. <laughs> but yeah. And to your point, father, I imagine that anyone trying to live the Christian life seriously, that becomes <laughs> yeah. a temptation, oh, right? To, yeah. you know, sacrifice yeah. time of prayer because yeah. I've got too many things to yeah. do. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting hearing you guys I talk about that. Yeah. When y'all are talking, it reminds me of, uh, to go a little popular culture commentary oh boy. Uh, reference. So Jordan Peterson, I mentioned him at oh, sure, lunch yeah. a little bit, but one of the things I think that makes him so attractive to people and really his kind of psychology is formed around the fact that like, if you want to be a better man, if you want to be a better person, first, first fix your room. 
clean up your yeah, room exactly. first. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. And then you can affect society because I think what make happens, your bed. make your bed, that's right. You know, <laughs> but like, but like, you know, even more than just a psychological dimension, like even spiritually, that's the case. Like if we want to have, if we want to get to know who we are, we have to be in right relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, what Gaudium Express 22, mm-hmm. right. Christ reveals man to himself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And makes his calling clear. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like this aspect of like, if we want to um, actually have, an effect in the world if we actually want to be positive characters of society and and actually bring something about first it starts with this like y'all said this renewal this interior kind mm-hmm. of union with christ and out of that relationship then we can learn right relationship with ourselves and with our neighbors and begin to love properly right yeah this yeah well it seems that the, the world kind of has an opposite view of that right because i mean even now without social media works and everything people set out to be influencers that's like their goal yeah oh that's a good point and we have a lot of people who want to influence people but they haven't made their own bed they haven't you know, they don't have a relationship with Christ. Uh, you know, it just seems like it's all out of whack. Uh, and I think that's why mm. it manifests itself and, and we see the effects of that. Mm. We don't want, we don't need more priests or religious to be activists, right? We don't yeah. need, we don't need an activism that, that inserts itself into our life where we have the, the thought or the, the, the sense that if I just do more, everything will be better, right? We, we've counted him, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago now there, but there's a, probably a thousand different ways or different, different places that give out food in, in our in our city right um every day yeah. so when people come to our house they don't come for food so what do they come for why do we get 30 to 40 people come through our cafe that we run for the homeless every day they don't come for the grilled cheese right and they don't come for right. the maxwell house coffee that we have <laughs> right it does you know and but they say we have the best coffee in the neighborhood which is so fun there's our neighbors are so sweet but we there's a thousand different options for them to get food better mm-hmm. food better food every every day in, in Manhattan, right? So why do they come, right? We hope they come because they experience a, a different kind of life and they experience in the, Jesus kind of alive in the brothers, Jesus alive in the way the brothers love one another. And then when they come into the friary, they experience something different, yeah. right? And they, don't we want our homes? Don't we want our parishes? Don't we want our seminaries? Don't we want, that's the experience when people come, they're like, oh gosh, thing is, things are different here. Yeah. But how do, how do they become different? Well, we become contemplatives. We become men and women in communion with the Lord that allows him to insert himself in our lives and then, then, then things change. I would say like people experience a personal presence and that's, that's really important in of itself when that personal presence is from a Christian, it becomes the personal presence of Christ in their life. Mm. And, um, and so in, in, in our work with the poor in our neighborhoods, I think that's the first thing we bring is our presence and our prayer. And, um, and that begins the relationship and it becomes not just handing out food, for example, um, but it becomes a relationship. You know, I, in one of our classes, uh, foundation of spirituality and even just church history i think abroad will point to the fact that like when the christian life is at its best quote unquote is when it there's this kind of not activism as much as like leisureful contemplative aspect so like if you think about like the the benedictine order for example um saint benedict didn't want to found his order he was pressured by some of his brothers to found his order and he's like fine i'll do it y'all ain't going to be able to make it and then they try to kill him okay then he goes away and, but the thing is, what happens is, and this is something, one of my research papers, I, I like, as I was researching, I came to the conclusion that like, he didn't have to go to the world to change it. He changed himself and then the world came to him. Mm. Right. And like, and then later on in the 12th century, 11th century, you have the Cistercian order to come about the best engineering, right. Of its time in the, in the world. You know, we were talking about that in church history today. 
but like you have like you don't have to go out into the world you you first have that time of leisure which we've emphasized several times now but like contemplation and and that right relationship with our lord and from that will come all the goodness you can even fathom Right. Because you can continue working and working and working. But if it's not rightly ordered, you're not actually doing per se or you're not even being truly yourself. That's why the church is such a powerhouse in history, though. Right. How do you think the hospitals and all those things were founded? Because because of the, the order, the order that, that yeah. Jesus becomes first in the, in the lives of, of those who follow him. And then they're very effective in what they do. Yeah. And that's how the church has in every part of life and every part of society has completely transformed it. Because this order take is, is, is present. Yeah. I mean, that's good stuff. Can you guys tell us a little bit about um, just your day-to-day life? Like, what's a day in the life of... You've, you've alluded a little bit to it, so there's definitely service of the, to the yeah, poor so, and prayer. Um, but the basic kind of structure of the day, the skeleton of the day, if you will, yeah. um, is the uh, times we come together and pray or the times we come together and eat. So the life is generated around the the chapel and the refectory. And so our first prayers are at 6 in the morning. We have the office of readings. We all come together in the chapel for the office of readings. And then we have an hour of personal prayer time, which you could make wherever you want. With your coffee? Yes. So you guys do do – okay, because this is a debate (laughs) amongst the seminaries. We just talked about this. Go ahead. Like coffee – in the morning holy hour, like in the chapel with the tabernacle, yay or nay? Oh, probably not. Uh, yeah, I don't do that. Okay. Okay. So I will not say in this, the chapel. but I do okay. do anywhere else. Absolutely. Before, before the yeah. office of reading. If I'm not mistaken, I heard this like you, brother. I'm not sure. If it's not true, it should be that uh, <laughs> Pier Giorgio Fossati, Saint Pier Giorgio Fossati, respectively, would take a canteen of coffee with him to the chapel and drink and drink coffee while he's praying. And then he would go out hiking. And or be come it back. For me to I don't know if we got to get all bent out of shape over yeah, it. Caffe- right. To yeah, get right. caffeinated before prayer is generally probably a good Fulton thing. Fulton Sheen was also, you Let know, them have coffee before coffee. meditation. Okay. That's cool. Coffee's Fulton on at 4 30 at our house. Oh, oh really? Guys get up early and rock it. Well, here we're struggling party. to get it at 8 a.m. Uh, can I just <laughs> you know can I, mean? I just propose and Go remind ahead. everybody that Father Joseph Michael made the Ooh. coffee this morning? Oh, brother. Right on. Do it. Right here. Right on. I came down. I made the coffee. And luckily, your man Patrick came by because he was like, that's going to be really strong. So I made like, I was just making a half pot. And he was like, hey, can we make that a full pot? Because that's going to be really strong. And I said, yeah, of course. And it was still strong. You should you should have told him just be stronger. Yeah. You know, yeah. just don't man be soft. up, bro. Yeah, man up. <laughs> okay, um, but I, I right, interrupted so you. Yeah, here we go. So we have time. our hour of personal prayer time, um, and then we come together again for morning prayer, and that's followed by mass. Then we have breakfast, and then midday uh, we have midday prayer and lunch, and then at five p.m. we have a holy hour uh, followed by dinner, and um, then at nine p.m. we have our night prayer followed by the rosary. Oh, wow. So when we're not praying or eating, um, we're just kind of participating in our responsibilities, whatever they may be, whether they're the chores that we do in the house or the apostolates that we work in or uh, whatever else needs to get done. Yeah, so depending on where you live as well. So we uh, one of the main apostolates we do in the Bronx is we run a homeless shelter. So the guys who live our life that Father Joseph just described then are going over in the morning, you know, maybe between 8.30 and noon, working at the shelter just making sure that's set up. The guys come in in the evening. So, And then we run the cafe at our house. You guys are the house of for, our, uh, seminary formation, yeah. so that's a little unique. Um, and so basically – and. Uh, I, we have a, the vocation offices at our house, so like that's I spend a lot of my time in the vocation office. So like, so it kind of depends on your responsibility, but yeah. everybody's kind of diving in in the in kind of like the normal parts of the day, just to 
mainly apostolates and, and work with the with the neighbors. We take turns cooking. We um, so we don't have any buddy that works for us so we don't have cooks we don't have maintenance guys we don't have so we do all of that the gardening the maintenance the cooking the, the each the brothers take different very kind turns. people that sometimes help us yeah i, I kind of yeah, wish not. i kind of wish we would have that in house sometimes i kind of wish it sometimes but when i'm like at my best exactly <laughs> yeah that's also it's also true because like i'm sure there's terrible cooks in here okay so let me ask you a question who's the best of the two cooks in here right now don't lie uh, we're different <laughs> yeah, oh my I, don't, I think we're pretty comparable yeah. actually probably nice okay cool but pretty it's standard, cool it's cool know? because you're like everybody takes a different night yeah. and you and we don't we uh we live off providence so we don't go shopping so mm. you basically got to go to the freezer and be like okay what do we have if we're out of rice we don't cook rice and we and we don't like oh i'll just run to the store and get it it's like the providence mm-hmm. of people dropping off yeah. groceries every month and so that's how you guys subsist is people so part of the physical us, reality yeah. of yeah. poverty is is obviously the the spiritual poverty and the physical poverty are, yeah. are related right so our physical poverty allows us to trust in god and, and and live in divine providence and therefore then we're spiritually detached right and, and we don't have to we don't have to fill ourselves with with particular things so yeah. there's kind of the, again this this tension as well between those two things but not yeah being in control of what I have in front of me and, and what's in the cupboards and what's in my room and stuff like that mm-hmm. just allows us to be, to kind of be able to let go. You hear that, that Joey? <laughs> <laughs> well, and this might be more personal of a question, but did, is that tough for you guys? I mean, did you, when you guys first enter the order, is that, is that hard as far as living like that? I is it an say adjustment? like, at least in my experience, and I think kind of what I see in other guys coming in is that there's a real kind of desire to do something kind of radical, um, especially when you're young and you're discerning and you're attracted to this. It's like, yeah, I mean, let's go, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. and like whatever happened, like you're not, you're not worried about it. I mean, as you kind of go on that, that kind of initial zeal and fervor can become a little bit tempered and you might find yourself reaching for, I don't know, conveniences or things that yeah. maybe in the beginning weren't so much on your radar. Like the cookies that are just randomly placed at this seminary. There are a lot of cookies around here. There are a lot of Uh, random things that you could be very much tempted by on a normal day. That's like the diocesan life. (laughs) I mean, right? We were talking about this. Like, you get to the parish and there's just a tub of cookies and multiple tubs of cookies. I can't turn around anywhere without walking down a hallway or a dungeon somewhere with cookies. It is. We have an exodus here, just burning of the cookies. (laughs) Yeah. You know? (laughs) One thing that I've been really grateful in our life that wouldn't have occurred to me if I wasn't a, a CFR was that um, very simply we like we f- we feast on feast days and we fast on fast days and in between we don't really have snacks you know um, so there's just this kind of like rhythm that I find really helpful oh, absolutely because when it's time to fast you fast because you know when it's time to feast you feast mm-hmm. and in between um, yeah you just kind of live by that uh, in that kind of rhythm. In a way, you're living very liturgically, right? So you're celebrating yeah. the feast days, you're celebrating the solemnities, and you're celebrating the fast days, and you're you're kind of living in this space to try to just have an order. It's life. a nice, it's a nice thing. Yeah, we've been we've been trying to do that. Uh, some of the guys here have been trying to be more intentional about living the liturgical calendar mm-hmm. in that way, mm-hmm. um, yeah. especially like even as far as resting on Sundays, like making that yeah. a priority, and then you know, uh, good. fasting and feasting. I I was reading No Man Is an Island by Thomas Merton. Yeah. Sure. And he has a great quote in there. He's like, the saint is not the person who, you know, like never eats to deny himself constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The saint is the person who eats when he's supposed to eat, 
and, uh, and yeah, doesn't eat when, when he's not, when he's supposed, not supposed to eat. That's great. Yeah. And I was nice. like, wow, that's, perfect. that's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So a bit of a transition here, I guess. Um, I like to ask the uh, order. We've done a, a couple other guys in orders. We ask them about their habits. Um, can you guys maybe talk about your habit? Because uh, most Franciscans you'll see actually have a brown habit um, that I'm at least that's I'm aware of. That's what I would yeah. say. And then you guys have a gray habit, obviously. Um, so maybe talk about that a little bit if you could. Yeah, are the cameras on? Can you guys see my habit? Yeah. <laughs> you have no. a patched um, habit, my man. Patches. Nice. Yeah, so I was actually quite attracted to the habit. I don't know if that's, that's a good attraction. That that's a good attraction. My though, vanity right? or what? No, but, no, no. Um, when I was looking at different religious communities, like I said, the beards and the sandals. But I liked, I liked to look. I liked the the witness. And um, so our habit is actually a capuchin cut. Um, it's the form of a capuchin habit because our founders were capuchins. And um, so the capuchins are no, um, identified by the hood, right? The capuch. Um, so we capuch. have this kind of long pointed hood. And, and it's gray because uh, Francis's habit <laughs> would have been gray, would have been undyed sheep's wool. Um, uh, so they went back. That's to why they the call the Gray Friars. We were talking gray. about that in church yes, history today. Well, no, the Gray, the Gray Friars are Franciscans. That's yeah. Right. That's okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. The Black Friars. Well, I thought Dominican. they had his uh, habits still like in a museum somewhere. They do. It, it's undyed wool, and it's very dirty. So that's why it's brown. Yeah. It's not because it was. Brown no, they material. became as time went on. They, the challenge with undyed wool, it it all became like there was no uniformity to it. So in the time of Saint bon Bonaventure, they had to. They wanted to bring like, hey, yeah. you need to look. Everybody right. needs, needs to kind of look the same. And so that's when it became. So who's Saint Bonaventure? Oh. It's Saint Thomas Aquinas. Yeah, and I was like some oh, some contemporary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys pretty much like never take those off, right? Uh, for like practical reasons, we will. For example, okay. if we're doing like manual labor and okay. or guys like to play basketball and you can't dribble between yeah. your legs. But what that. we like to say, it's like our normal dress. Like gotcha. this is what we'll wear yeah. okay. like normally, you know, um, even when we travel, even if it's a pain. Not something house. you want to swim in. So yeah, sure. a yeah. idea. there was a Franciscan here at our seminary when we used to have a soccer tournament and he came, it was like August and in his habit, in his habit, yeah. playing it's soccer, hot. like it's wool. Hot. And it's I was like, what? It's a valid option. You you probably adjust to it a little bit too right as you yeah. wear it more yeah you do it. it's, it's hot it's hot in skin. the summer and cold in the winter that's <laughs> yeah nice well i think it's a cool habit and you know i was talking to some guys today about what habit i would wear or like what that's i would it's a fun seminary conversation well it's just like yeah. what would you choose if, if you were going to pick an order solely based on the, on the habit what would you pick yeah is there another so. reason to pick an order <laughs> no <laughs> i said i i like the dominicans habit i think it's pretty cool but then i have to make distinctions way all day so i don't want to do that unless you wear the black they got the like the cape yeah the cape or whatever the cope or whatever yeah the cape those guitar things that's right uh, yes, I think the Dominicans is, is pretty cool. Um, although I will say I have a lot of Benedictine influence in my life and I've seen the nice Benedictine habits yeah, and those things are as well. gnarly. <laughs> yeah. Fathers, what would you say is, has been the most, um, rewarding? What's been the greatest gift about being a Franciscan friar of the renewal for each of you? That's a great question. Those are the kinds of questions. Got one? Yeah. I'm thinking about, um, to put it kind of generically, the moments of communion. And what I mean by that is um, specifically in our work with the poor, I've just been really blessed in um, moments of communion with people, with like sometimes uh, I say real people, <laughs> but um, that's just because for the for the past four years I was living between a friary and a seminary. And um, so I just felt like I was missing real people in my life. <laughs> Wait a no second. No offense to seminarians. <laughs> but like... Um, <laughs> um, I was just really, yeah, I've been really blessed by um, 
being invited into people's lives and into people's hearts, and um, especially people in our neighborhoods, um, because they're so, yeah, they're just really generous with us and and their affections and and their um, sharing their lives with us, and of course we come in um, to share our lives with them, and so there's this this thing that happens around the friary where it's a bit of a symbiotic relationship where the people really um, provide for us and um, draw out from us also um, the resources that we have uh, within ourselves as, as spiritual men, as disciples of Christ. And, um, and then also we're able to serve them uh, spiritually, fraternally. Um, so that's been just something really beautiful. Nice. Yeah, thank you. It's a good question. <laughs> You can't answer the same thing, Father. Yeah, I I've just been I've been vocation director a few years, and I've worked in the office before. There's just been a real grace um, to to talk about our life, to talk about Saint Francis, to talk about the heart of, of what God was doing in the 1200s, and how the the charism of Saint Francis that the Holy Spirit started then lives on in our community now. And uh, when men walk through the door and they experience just a, a real uh, sense of the Lord. A real gift that the, uh, the oftentimes the, the brothers they'll say the brothers really love each other you know and and uh, seeing young men encounter our life um has been just such a tremendous blessing um, we're not perfect and we have our own struggles and our own challenges like any seminary or any diocese or yeah. whatever um but i really think we're a group of guys that's just trying to be faithful and uh, i just am c- constantly encouraged by that and and when when I experience the Lord's fidelity in our life, the way He's just continually faithful to us, um, there's just something beautiful that happens, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think young men are inspired by that. So it's a real so, gift. So last couple questions, unless y'all have anything else, y'all good? Yeah. All right. So <clears throat> one question: We as guys, so sorry, listeners, this is for us. Sorry, aspir- sorry lady, ladies, <laughs> ladies. No, but us guys aspiring for the priesthood, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as y'all going into the battlefield. Of, of really with like the homeless and, 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 and the poor and, and the suffering in that way. Um, what recommendation do y'all have that we can maybe, you know, um, begin to practice in our own lives to be able to help people that are, you know, in, in this type of need, a severe need, um, at least at least on a more public level. How can we help, right? So like there's obvious like prayer and um, these things, but like maybe maybe even some practical tips, like what do we not do? What are what are things not to, you know what I'm saying? Just maybe for us, just ways yeah. to do that. Um, I think that would be one of my first question. So y'all can answer that first, and then maybe my second question is to to our listeners here. Um, maybe kind of a last exhortation to to like you said, communion w- with God. If y'all have any last remarking words, so first the first question. Oh, then. Absolutely. I would just propose. Thank you. I just jumped in ahead of you. Man, <laughs> <laughs> dang it! He loves you. He's so quick. One of the documents on religious life uh, that would definitely be for seminarians, but definitely be for just any follow the Lord is uh, to in invitation to be a man of communion. And the only reason I say that is like the poor don't need anybody to fix them. They don't need anybody actually to, to solve their problems. There are practical things that the poor need, but they, they need a friend. They need someone that's going to see them and be with them and listen to them. They need someone that's going to know their name. And then in that relationship, it's like, okay, now we're going to get at the, the real needs here rather than mm. just maybe some, you know, subtle needs. Now, we have to to help someone if who's hungry, you give them a 
some some food. Yeah. Or if they're cold, give them a give them a coat. All that, right? right? That's going to take care of it. But the poor don't just need someone to treat them like they're their project. Like, yeah. I'm just going to fix you. I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to provide for you. They need someone to see them. They need someone to look at them. They need someone to be their friend, you know, um, and to provide for them in that way. And uh, then once that relationship is built, there's this journey that then the Lord can take all of us on and actually like helping someone. Yeah. Because we are concerned about their soul. We are That's concerned right. about yeah. allowing their, them to know Jesus and to, you know, 95% of the people we serve are not Catholic. Right. Or it's such a, that's a, a bit of a mystery, right? Because here we are, consecrated men, priests, and, and our day job in a way is with people who are not Catholic. Yeah. But mm. there's something that they're drawn to, right? So we would love to lead them to the, the Lord and to, to his church, um, but in relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Not not because, hey, I got I to gotta get, get, get you provided for so I can move on to somebody else. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, be present, be present to the person in front of you, which is what you're saying. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, bless them. Don't be stingy with your blessings, fathers someday. Mm-hmm. Um, but really understand like the Lord, the Lord has anoints you, um, to, to bless the people mm-hmm. around you, um, in how you live and act and relate, but also in your ministry and in your praying with people. I often think about when I'm moving through the city and I love moving through the city on the, on the subways and the buses and it's, um, a way of, of living in solidarity with people. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, but I think about like when I'm, when I'm approaching a man begging or something, I always hear, I always hear that line from Acts when, um, when I forget who who it is, but he says, "Silver and gold, I don't have, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk." Mm. Now I've never said that, f- you know, fully. Right. But um, but I definitely pray with people. You yeah. Know what I mean, and and I will sometimes give money if a guy needs money, and sometimes I won't. I'll just kind of try to discern it, um, and be attuned to to what the Spirit is prompting me. I hope. Um, but I definitely try to pray with people, and to bless them, and um, to learn their name. Mm-hmm. To not be afraid to touch them, to not be afraid Stop. to um, <laughs> um, look them in the eye, right, and, yeah. and just give them a real human interaction because that that's that's mainly. one of the the, the poverties of poverty <laughs> is that people don't treat you like a person. Hey guys, let me just this is kind of a in in the moment inspiration. Don't be the seminarian that everybody says he's so busy, and don't be the pastor or the assistant pastor like Father's just so busy. Yeah, because what does that mean? He yeah. never stops. He ne- he's always running around. He's never like father's just so busy. I don't want to. I don't want to go talk to father. I don't want to approach father because he's just so busy. We just don't want to be those guys. Yeah. We, and we don't want to be like because then it's like he's not approachable. He never spends time with anybody. He's always going on to the next thing. He's, he comes in and like works room, says hello, and he leaves. You're like, whoa, what happened to father? Or what happened to you know the seminarians? It's like so we just don't. We want to like avoid any sort of temptation to be the guys that are just always moving, always doing something, always have projects, and we're just never around. Because then he's not a father. Yeah. Right. And th- thank you all. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for me, that. Me personally, yeah. I think speaking for us three, like we are guys who take initiative in a lot of things, and we we try to be the head of a lot. Which is not a bad thing. No, but but you're but you're right. Yeah. No, but you're absolutely right. Like we have to take the time, like like Joey said, to to be that father, because an absent father is no father really at all. And there's a there's a great charism that the, to do the work, but also to be present is probably where the Holy Spirit's involved. 
right? Because mm-hmm. the work is important, especially yeah. all the gifts we've been given. So that's important. But then this this gift to be, but I want to see people. I want to love people. I want to be attentive to the people in front of me. I think that's where the Lord's at work, which is which is which is awesome. Yeah, I was reading uh, a homily that Pope Francis gave recently, and he made a comment. He's talking about like encounter. He says like we need to become experts in the art of encounter, mm-hmm. and he said like Jesus was never looking at his watch to like get on to the next meeting. Like he was mm-hmm. always just there with the person in front of him. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm thinking of when you're wow. saying that. And uh, so thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. Um, yeah. yeah just, I know I w- you guys have already said it, but thank you for coming on. I think I was talking about this in one of our last interviews, but while we're going to be diocesan priests and you guys are order priests, the church compliments each other. Totally. Uh, we're never at odds. We're always able to work yeah. together and we can learn a lot from you guys. And we really have, I mean, just watching you guys, just in the short time we have and then you telling us about your life is really impactful. So I just appreciate it. And thank you for coming on. Uh, we always like to remind everybody that to, uh, smash the subscribe button as we, in these episodes, cause smash we're trying to come on it. everybody. Yeah. But so we also got to tell them that there's another subscribe button that they should be smashing, right? This, uh, there's, you guys have your own podcast. Right. Yeah. So we, the, our community has the Poco Poco podcast. And so, um, I think on Franciscan is that French? Uh, yeah, exactly. Poco a poco, yeah, I think so. <laughs> is it Polish, little by little, on, as man. they say. Yeah, little. but yeah, it's a pod- very similar little. to this. Where we we talk about spiritual nice. things. Sometimes have some people on, so it's a real gift, uh, especially if people are going to go to this medium to hear the gospel. Just now, go. obviously, if you only have time for one podcast, you want to definitely go with this one. Stay with logo. <laughs> sure, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Stay with the local flavor. You know. Uh, yeah. Okay, before we, t- I just Making do want to say fresh, one thing. Um, echoing what Sam said, I think in one of the documents of the church, I think the decree on religious life from the Second Vatican Council, it says that one of the functions of religious life in the church is to like be assigned to the rest of the church, like mm-hmm. being in like, mm-hmm. like we look at you guys and you are living holiness mm-hmm. out and like commitment to Jesus out in the most yeah. radical way. And so thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And thank you for being here. Cause that yeah. is like, we do look at you and think, wow, like I want to love God more. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Guys, we're so grateful. And, and just, you know, yeah. our particular community, um, we have a great love for the diocesan priests. And we really, really want to be a support. We really want to be support. we don't run parishes. That's part of what we do. Must be nice. Do, I guess. But <laughs> 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 well, we, we live in neighborhoods that have parishes yeah, we and we, yeah, we yeah, know yeah, priests yeah. that are busy. And so we consider it a great part of our charism to try to love and support diocese and priests. So as, as to your point, like there's yeah. a great gift that the church gives yeah. to one another. Yeah. And so you guys are, are in it with the people and in it with the, with the, uh, the, on, the on the ground. And so we just love to support you guys. So. Thank you guys for coming on. Yep. Persevere, guys. Persevere. The priesthood is a beautiful gift. It's totally worth it. So. Nice. Grow out your beards, maybe. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I've head, tried, but you know, I guess the I formation team. Formation team. Like, hey, 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 we'll talk to, to him. We'll talk. Yeah. Yeah. Put in a word. <laughs> Brother Joseph Michael here says, <laughs> "No, thank you guys for coming on, guys, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy this, this episode. Hope you learned something. If you didn't, it's your problem. <laughs> As always, God bless." <laughs> <laughs>